Hello and welcome to Down the Back of the Sofas, the podcast with Stephen Russ that embraces everything, not only the shiny new penny you found, but also the half-chewed toffee covered in fluff. Steve and with me is Russ. Uh, we are two friends who have known each other for oh, about 10 years and uh, we both realised at the same time that we do go on a bit about our geekdom and we occasionally have our geekasms. Although, Russ, I've got to be honest, I've been faking some of mine. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> have you been since the last time we spoke? All right, all right? Uh, yeah. I uh, don't want to drag the, the podcast too much down, but got called back into work from being on furlough for a couple of months, so it's a bit of a transition to get back used to that. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Boo. Yeah. Uh, you all right? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Good. I always say that. <laughs> I'm not three bad. I'm not three bad. <laughs> yeah, same old, same old. So good to hear. Pulling it on. I, mean, I've, I've sort of, I wasn't furloughed, so I've been working anyway, yeah. but... Um, yeah, just working from home. I love working from home. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say, I love working. And I said, hey? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> are, are you sure? Do you need a doctor? I, I do think I could actually be a hermit. Oh, I easily could. Nice. I haven't left the house for months and I love it. <laughs> okay. Let's perch on the edge of our seat and discuss what's piqued our interest since our last episode with So Far So Good. A couple of bits, um, yeah, just caught my eye this week. Uh, Foundation. Uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation on Apple TV. The trailer looked very, very good. Oh, I don't know about that. What's that? Yeah, that's a series of books um, that um, Isaac did. And uh, I must admit, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Unfortunately, I haven't read the books. Uh. (laughs) But it's like one of these things you think, oh, that's it. You sort of, oh, I want to read that. And then you think, there's a series of books. Oh, right, hang on. When, when am I going to get the time to read all them? And, um, but this, unfortunately, the well, saying that, the series is out 2021. Oh, so it could be a chance to get them read before it actually comes out. So, so yeah, for those that don't know, he came up with the three laws of robotics. And um, I'm going to test your knowledge and ask you what they are. Oh, that's easy. Uh, don't. Eat after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get wet. Yeah, them, them gremlin robots. <laughs> um, uh, I can remember. I can always remember one or two of them. It's like the third one that I kind of like. Yeah, because it kind of like says, you know, this is the third one. Only if one or two are in like in comply kind of thing. It's lawyer speak. Or the parts of the parts parts. <laughs> Um, uh, I can't harm somebody if, or no, I can only harm somebody if um, they're going to be harmed. No, go on, tell me. I, I don't know. Oh, no, you're testing me now. Um, <laughs> I thought you had them ready. No. <laughs> um, I know one of them is that um, a, a robot cannot harm another human, um, even if another human asks them to kind of like harm another human i'll tell you what look not, not even politely no, i'll tell you what we're gonna cheat here I'm, we're, we're gonna bring them up because this is important we need to get this right oh dear oh that's funny okay i have them right right uh what would it be? i mean oh, i don't know don't eat red meat uh no no right okay so first um, the first law a robot don't don't sneeze and cross your legs <laughs> at the same time <laughs> I did hear something funny the other day, and someone says, um, "You know what happens if you um, you sneeze and fart at the same time?" And um, it was that your body takes a, a, a screenshot. 
Only Apple owners will know what that what that what that means. iPhone owners will know what that means. <laughs> Either that, or you do a reboot, <laughs> For, a forced a forced reboot. Uh. <laughs> right. So the three laws of robotics. Yeah. The first law is a robot may not injure a human being, or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Second law: a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. You do realise you are saying it. Like a robot, a yeah. Robot. I know, I know. That's because I can't read none too well. <laughs> okay, and the third law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. That's what I was saying, that you know, by the time you get to the third law, it's all about the first and the second one. But, um but he still did it. I did not murder him, uh, but he did. Yeah. <laughs> we we knew that. Yeah. Uh yeah, the um the other thing that um oh really got me fired up was Star Wars Squadron. Oh yeah, that looks great. I I saw the trailer and went, Oh yeah, alright, great, brilliant. That's another flying game that you should have actually put VR in and then oh my god, they put VR in it yep. and that was it. I'm I i can not I can't wait. Uh, a, a little bit weak came out uh. to me. I was that excited. Um, yeah, because ever since like Tie Fighter, when it came out on the PC in 1994, uh, literally, what's that? When I was about five. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was only you sure. Time. I don't know how. I don't know how I remember that. Uh, <laughs> you sure? <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, with 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 the Battlefront, where they had the the extra add-on that was just for the PSVR. That was so good. It was just an experience. There was a little bit of flying in it. There was a little bit of uh, shooting, and it felt good, but felt very short. Yeah. And you just thought, oh my god, is it finished already? I just, I, I want to play the game. And uh, really, you know, this has got a uh, a single player element to it. Yeah. There's definitely you've got your front shields, your rear shields, all that sort of stuff that you can mess about with while you're playing. There's so many different ships. You know, you got your bombers, you got your fast, quick fighters, you got the, the sort of middle of the road, you got your, your ones that can actually help other other uh, spaceships and stuff. So your support craft, and I, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, and the mul- really multiplayer as well is sort of like five, five v five, five on five. Yeah, yeah so yeah, that's yeah. going to be and they going to be so good. And they they've built the game from scratch to support VR. It's not something that's been added on afterwards. It's actually like that's something they wanted to bring in right from the start. I think they must have known. I mean, the the pickup of that extra um, uh, uh, sort of add on to the to Battlefront. They, they've obviously got the stats for how many people played it, yeah. how many people downloaded it, the response they got from it because they did a spectacular job. I mean, even just sitting in the cockpit of the 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 X wing. You just you wanted to press, and you could sort of press buttons, and yeah, you know, and it really, you just thought, oh my god, this is. This, ever since any Star Wars game had come out that has a spaceship in it, you think, oh, I wish I could sit in it. I wish it was real, yeah, you know. And this this really will give you the chance. I think the only thing is, hopefully they enhance it for the PS Five. Um, but the the job that was done on the Iron Man VR demo that I mentioned previously. Mm. If this looks, you know, as good as that, it does look good though. You're sorted. From yeah, what we've seen from the trailers yeah. and the and the and the gameplay footage, it, it does look good. Um, and I just think it's the kind of game that, yeah, it's going to be great in VR. But I just think it's going to be a good experience all round, whether you're just playing it, you know, non VR or, or not. Well, that's the thing, and also it's, it's crossplay as well. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that worries me a little bit is that I don't think it will have because it's, it's, it's EA, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. EA you'll normally handle most of Star Wars. Games that a lot of times they put in micro transactions, and I'm really hoping they don't do that. Like, you know, to get this sort of like thing or to get that particular ship, then you know, you can either play the game and earn the points to eventually unlock it, or you know, you give us 20 30 quid and you can unlock it now. Because I hate that kind of thing because it's just such an unfair advantage, yeah. Because I, I experienced that in GTA, yeah. Where I spent the money and got the cars and did everything because I just wanted to play with them now. Yeah. Uh, whereas with the likes of like Elite Dangerous and stuff like no, was it Elite Dangerous where you couldn't or yeah no you couldn't spend money. No, Elite Dangerous, Dangerous you can't buy. Six you have to earn the money in the money. game. Yeah. yeah. 
and and the same obviously with No Man's Sky and stuff. You have to earn the money. So these big games, you know, you have to spend the time and put the put the work yeah. in to get it out. Yeah. And I I prefer I much prefer that. Yeah. Oh, I do. You know, but then you get some 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 rich kid comes along who's got a thousand pounds in his pocket, and wants to unlock every ship in the game, and all of a sudden he's like doing loop the loops flying around you, and you're like in your little little beginner ship but, and. But that's what makes it unbalanced, yeah. then, because then that's, that ruins the gameplay yeah. and the whole point of you actually, you know, being in there in the first place. Mm. And that's what I'm thinking. If, if for instance, they do do that with the multiplayer, you have still got the single player to play. Yeah, of the campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's good. good. I'm, yeah, so I'm really looking forward. Well, is to it that. October? It comes out, I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's, that's sort of getting ready for the new PS5. But then we had it's kind of like that with I'm trying to think the release date of GTA Five. When because that obviously hit the older generation before the new ones come out, yeah. and then of course that was enhanced. Yeah, you know there was more traffic, there was more. Well, well they've announced they an enhanced GTA Five for the PlayStation Five. When it when the announcement first came out and and the Rockstar logo came up on screen, I think everybody as well as me was thinking, oh, this is going to be the trailer for GTA Six, but it wasn't. It was like they're doing an enhanced version of GTA Five. So I think G- GTA Six is at least two years away, at least. In all honesty, I don't care about GTA Six if they just said GTA Five VR. Oh yeah, that that yeah. would just knock me over, yeah. you know, because that you've got a living, breathing city there mm. that you get in cars, fly around. I mean, I've managed to push it into the the PC version that I had, but it was pretty unstable. Yeah, but just that small experience of of just being in something that you know so well, mm. but you actually in it. Yeah, I mean, you've got the per- first person view. It has been done. Just, just do it. Just, just enable us to be able to play it in VR, and that that gives it another two years lifespan at least yeah. for people. Yeah, I mind. think unfortunately, I don't think it's something they're gonna they're gonna do. But you never know. No, it might no, do. Neither. Do. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I, I didn't see Star Wars Squadrons. Okay, so the only thing I briefly want to touch on is there's a new Crash Bandicoot coming out, and they've called it Crash Bandicoot Four. It's about time. Because the fact that I'm not, you know, I've played the Crash Bandicoot games. They're they're great, but I wouldn't say I'm their biggest fan. But a a lot of the fans have been asking for a a fourth game. And there was a remaster of the first three they recently brought out on the Nintendo Switch, and I think the consoles as well. And everybody's been saying, well, when's when's four coming? When's four coming? And I think it was last week they they dropped the trailer for it. And it does look good. But again, it's it's, um, one of those games where on the... Uh, Xbox side of things, they've put will include in-app purchases. Oh. So everybody started talking. It's like, what's this? What's this? What's this? But apparently, the developer has come out and said, no, there isn't going to be anything. Um, it, you know, there's no microtransactions or anything like that. I don't understand how that would work in a game like Crash Bandicoot, anyway. But um, but from the trailer, it does. It looks really good, and I must admit, um, it's probably one I'll, I'll, I'll probably get because. Uh, like a good platformer, and um, it just looks great. Okay, let's move on to the next part of our show, where each of us share with you something we personally like. So plump those cushions, put your feet up, and relax with this episode's Sofas Focus. This episode, yeah, I want to talk about uh, a lovely mini series three issues called we three it was uh, published by vertigo comics in 2004 uh, it's written by grant morrison uh, notably for all-star superman and many more others uh, artists were frank uh, quietly notable for all-star superman as well and jamie grant and uh, the the uh, the story is like we three is a squad of three prototype animal weapons and they're part of a government project um, uh, headed by a, a Dr. Roseanne Berry and her superior, uh, Dr. Trendle. Uh, the group consists of a dog, a cat, and a rabbit, mm. which are the three, uh, who were all kidnapped from a nearby city and encased in lovely robotic armour. Uh, they have uh, they've sort of been given sort of limited ability to speak, which is quite good in the in the, the graphic because they're sort of saying uh, me home, let's find home. It's like no, not safe. So you get the fact that they're 
very limited in how they speak, but you can you can get the gist that they some of them just want to go home. Yeah, that's all they want to do because they they were pets. They were originally pets, yeah. and well, they're not pets anymore. Uh, uh, they've got body armor with numerous weapons. So, like for instance, the, the rabbit can lay mines. Uh, the gun has machine guns, and the cat, <laughs> the cat, has like razor claws that shoot out. And the 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 artwork is is to die for because it also brings in a new sort of movement with with how you you see some of the some of the pages because some of the splash pages because you've you've got like it looks like dominoes but you're seeing dominoes from the side and it gave some sort of a, a movement of, of of one scene where the cat is jumping just through all these soldiers. And ripping them to, to to shreds, but you're seeing it from different angles, as in the cat is moving through these page, moving through these like these windows, like a flip book. If you used to like put it in like a kind, flip book, kind of yeah. And but the the they it's quite gruesome with some of the the deaths of some of the soldiers, but you you get the sense that these are just they're wild instincts that the animals have yeah. and that's why they've chose the animals to do it with because they've got heightened smell mm. you know they, they they can see so much better in in different in like nighttime and stuff like that but their strength and everything is so increased with these bit, bit like robocop but with animals yeah so have they been and, ge- genetically um, changed so can the armor come off and they'll just be animals not animals again or well, is it kind of yeah, as, a sto- as a story progresses, they, they obviously they just want to go home. Yeah, and I don't want to give away uh, the, the ending or anything, but there are people that obviously want to uh, help them, but also people that obviously want to destroy them. There, there is a Wii Four, um, so there is another animal, but I'm not going to say what it is and how it comes about. Um, looking at the the graphic style of it. I'm not sure if it has been or not, but is there like an anime of it or something? Or has there been a... Um, the movie's been brought up a few times. So since 2006 and then 2008, some people wanted to use, you know, bring it up and, and make it as a movie. And then suddenly it was 2015 when James Gunn, the director oh, yeah. of Guardians yep. of the Galaxy, said, oh, you know, if there was one thing I wouldn't mind doing, that would be it. Right. But again, it's all gone quiet again. So whether or not they're working... You know, behind these things. Well, he's proven um, he's proven that he can do it with with the Rocket character. I love Rocket. It, exactly. Will you imagine Rocket being <laughs> sort of you know a hundred times nastier, uh, and covered in armor? Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, the the uh, dogs are normally sort of softer to a certain extent. I mean, when 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 the dog uh, gets angry, um, and again, I'm not going to. Uh, Say their names. You can do that when you when you hopefully if you read it. Yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, the um the dog obviously when he gets angry is obviously growling and looks fierce. Yeah, the cat is just superb. If there's one that stands out, it's definitely the cat. I mean, there was a trade paperback released in 2005, and there was a lovely deluxe hardcover released in 2011. I've got it on uh, Comicsology, so I prefer my comics digitally, right? Uh, because the the way comicsology reads you can have the whole page on show or you can just have the the cell right you can just have and it goes between each one so in a sense you're not being shown what the next one is so if there's a, a reveal on the next page you know you don't get to see that until you're supposed to which i quite like oh, that's good because it, as much as i love sort of comics and the physicality of having a comic in your hand. Sometimes, when when you do turn the page, yeah, your eyes can drift. You, you, yeah. you instantly sort of you can see a little bit of it there. Yeah. Whereas this, you yeah, also you, you, your eyes want to drift over to that other page as well because I don't know subconsciously you're you're looking for the you know the the little thing that might be on the the, the next page. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. There's a, a large picture with the dog going through uh, the jeep. So literally, he's he. he he literally goes right through the middle of the the jeep, but then there's all small pictures with showing what's happening to the soldiers inside uh-huh. the jeep, and that is just super. I mean, to have that, how on earth they will bring that to life as a movie, I don't know, but I'd I'd love to see it. Yeah, be good because there's never really been 
there's never really been anything like this as such. I never watched the films Cats and Dogs. I don't know if any of them did anything, but that's more of a kiddies sort of uh, animal, you know, sort of animal film. Whereas this would definitely be more an adult thing. Adult, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you do get a chance, as I say, it's, it's a nice. It's quite short, but um, a really good story. Yeah, when you first mentioned it, I thought it was well, it was Japanese based, kind of like. Um... Just so a bit of the artwork I saw. That's why I mentioned about the anime and that. Cause I thought it just looked very kind of like Japanese style. Uh, I mean, the, I think that the the main artist and Grant Morrison is uh, Scottish. Oh, complete so, as about as close to Japan as you can get there, really. <laughs> <laughs> what you got for us? Um, I have just started watching a new series on Netflix. Um, I've seen it on there various times through flicking through, but I wasn't really sure about it and wasn't you know it, it was always in the back of my mind that yeah i'd eventually get around to watching it but other things just seemed to come along and then the other day i finally got around to start watching it and I, I want to talk about the series altered carbon um never heard of it yeah i know i know you have <laughs> i know you have um yeah so it's set on a novel by richard k morgan which came out in 2002 um, I haven't read the novel. I know, I know you have, so we'll we'll briefly touch on that. Um, but what drawn me to it is um, the fact that it's very, it's like cyberpunk and very, shall we say, Blader Runnish from the trailer. It's sort of like just the the cityscape is all like neon lights and lots of like, Japanese Chinese kind of like writing, and that's what kind of drawn me in because I love that kind of futuristic look, and I just like. Even though we'll never get to see it, I, I hope that that's what it's eventually going to end up looking like. And I don't know with these things as well. When it's always raining in scenes like that, so it's, it's always got rain. I don't know if that adds to it or what. I don't know, but um, I think I'd rather rather be somebody in <clears throat> in authority. That's um, when I'm like, I'd rather be a, a policeman or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Know. Definitely, <laughs> lots of dodgy <laughs> characters walking around. <laughs> yeah. But no, we, we, we started watching it, and um, the first series came out in, in 2018, uh, in February, and the, it's on the second series. That didn't come out until two years later, so like, it's a bit of a gap. So that was, came out in February 2020. Um, so it hasn't said where it's going to be renewed for a third season. I hope it, hope it does, from what I've seen of it so far. Um, but as for the actual story itself, it's set you know, in the future, 360 years from, from now, and a in a future city called Bay City. And it's basically around this character called uh, Takeshi Kovacs. And he's a former soldier. And um, he kind of like gets gets woken up. Basically, in, in, the, in, in the future, you have these things called stacks, which are of alien design. They don't know where they come from, but they reverse engineered them. And they sit in the back of the neck, just at the top vertebrae. And it records all your memories and consciousness. So if he was to die or anything was to happen to you, as long as that stack was intact, that could be implanted into another body. And then basically, even though you're in a different body, you would have your same memories and experiences that you had from the body that you just came out of. That's pretty much what happens to this character. He gets killed, and then years later, he gets purposefully woken up and his stack gets put into another man's body. And he gets hired by this guy called Lawrence Bancroft um, to basically investigate his murder. He's, he was killed, but he doesn't know who killed him. Um, this Lawrence Bancroft is a wealthy man, and he's what's known in the series as Mephs. Yeah. And what the Mephs, they've got so much money and there's so much wealth, what they can actually do is even though they have a stack... They can actually have their memories and consciousness uploaded to a satellite in case the stack gets destroyed. Then they can basically going to live forever because they can then be downloaded from the satellite. But at this time, this guy was killed. Something happened to the the satellite footage, and it was ever recorded. So he doesn't know how he got killed. Um, so he basically hires this Takeshi Kovac to basically find out who murdered him. Um, it's quite an interesting story, I have to say. I'm only about four or five episodes in, but what I've seen of it so far, it's just yeah, it, oh, I love it. It's great. Um, when I, when I yeah, because when I first read the book, it, it was right up my alley because it obviously with, with all the Blade Runner and the Cyberpunk yeah. references, but just it's very, um, it's quite a violent book as well. 
Yeah. Oh, the series and, is violent. Um, the 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 main what what I love about it is in the book you have the the Hendrix is the the hotel where he stays. Yes. Whereas in this it's the it's the um, it's the Raven, isn't yes. it? Yes. It's more to do with um, Edgar Allan Poe and stuff like that. Yeah, and Whereas, it's like the synthetic concierge. Kind yeah, of thing. That, I'd love He's him. He's great, and, isn't he? And, and the fact is, I enjoyed reading the Hendrix about the Hendrix in the book, but I fell in love with this. Oh, well, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the concierge is called, his name is Poe. It, yes, exactly, and the, he just plays it so well. Yeah. But there are certain bits that obviously, yeah, directly out of the book, the guns that come down and, and shoot people. Yeah. And, the, and the fact that he's got, well, well in my, you know, well in my rights to use force, this yeah. amount of force, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, protect the property one kind of my of customers, yeah, yeah, customers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the thing that, that uh, drew me to the book was the fact that it was very uh, Blade Runner-ish. Yeah. And so it's like, and, it's, I don't know, it's, um, it's a story that's not kind of been touched on before. Like the whole storing of memories in a something in the back of the neck that you can transfer into another body, which are are called sleeves, basically. Because um, you can have blanks as well, can't you? Because yeah. you can literally just have, you know, because because any any human body can be used yeah. as well as there's blanks which are, you know, everything when you eat tastes like chicken. Yes. Or what? So it doesn't matter what it is; yes. it just tastes the same because they they haven't bothered giving it taste buds, proper taste buds, because you know you, you could go into prison for. 50 odd years and come out as somebody either completely different yeah. to your family or just a blank. Yeah. And the fact that I think, was it as well that your body could be sold while you're in prison mm. or while you're, you're on, is it on the stack? Yeah. While you're being sort of frozen. Yeah. And, um, also these meths as well, because they've got so much money, they can float, they get their bodies cloned as well. So if they was to, die for some sort of reason so in the in the case of this bancroft character he's been killed but he's had his his stack was destroyed as well but he's had his memories uploaded again from the satellite into a new stack and because he's got so wealthy he had a clone of his own body made so he's basically still in his own body from when he first got killed yeah he, he can literally just he's got so many hasn't he that are constantly just being yes. readied for yeah even when his body gets too old and he can just, just chuck it in into a new one. one yeah so he, he can live, um, live forever but the only thing that's missing from his memories is how exactly he, he died and you know the theories there's a lot of theories saying oh he, he killed himself and all the rest of it but there's he doesn't think he, he did and there's kind of like no proof that he did um so he very much believes that someone's killed him very much a class system the fact the way him and his and his uh, wife miriam they they just prance around as if it's like well we own everything yeah so yeah and their bodies don't know, mean anything every, to them because they've got so much yeah. money if anything was to get damaged on them i'll just go down the shop and get a new one the fact that they live high up in the sky yes. as well so they just get to look, you know, look down yeah looking down on the on the on the note on the no gooders <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, because there's um, as I say, I've I've seen the first series, first uh, season. I haven't seen the second season, which I think is based on the second book, which is Broken Angels. Right. There is a third book that's um, Woken Furies, um, which will probably be so, what season three will be based on if there's going to be one. I hope so. Yeah, yeah I hope so. Um, so from yeah, the first uh, and second series, then does the story sort of like change in a completely different direction? Is it still based on well, the Takeshi? character it, it was yeah because it's funny how that we're talking to the actors is how this enables from an actor's point of view to play you know because you have i don't know if you've got to that bit where um there's a, a female character in a male body no i've got there yes yeah. the other half of uh, the, uh, one of the characters that he goes to see right the whose, whose daughter is trapped yes the 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 wife is ah. sleeved in, in a man's body. Ah, okay, I don't. The, and I do, there has been the bit where the the, the the woman police officer puts her grandma's uh, stack in a in a sleeve of a guy that's got like, a bald head beard, piercings and that, and she takes it takes him home <laughs> for like some for, for like day of the dead dinner kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that is and that 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 idea is absolutely superb. And the fact that uh, the actors can can do something completely different, yeah. 
But of course, what they said was was really enjoyed making the first season. Of course, the same characters are in the second season, right. but completely different actors oh. because that's the whole point of the the stack. The fact that the stack yeah, is moved around. essentially the character yes. and can go into anybody else. Yeah. So, so without too many spoilers, is the main sort of like character not the main character but the guy who's trying to found to find out who's been murdered bancroft is he in the second series is it james pure phil freud i pure freud no oh yeah. okay he's not yeah no no because obviously that was part of the detective story for the first right first book okay and and uh, it was him that actually said well i really enjoyed doing it but i probably won't be in the second one right. because that's it that was sort of yeah, done, well, which is a shame yeah when i when i read but, what the first series was going to be about i did think to myself well how are they going to span this across two seasons surely it's going to run a bit thin but if the story yes. changes from each season then that explains it which is which is how it should be as much as it would be oh you know but you can have too much you know too much of a good thing because you need to you know yeah. cover properly the the second story i think that's where a, a lot of series do fail is that they try and stretch the story out too thin like you know you when you first start watching a, a, a series you get the idea of the story and then you know you might be about three or four seasons in it's like and they're still on the main part of the story it's like come on move it along a bit yeah and and certain things happen, certain characters will do things, and you go, no, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. You wouldn't do that now. Like, certain things that might happen in uh, The Walking Dead, you'd think, well, hang on, if you're that person in that world, you've experienced so much to that point, you wouldn't do that now. Yeah. That's just either lazy writing, or you're trying to push it onto another episode. Yeah. To get another episode out. Yeah. Which annoys me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. You can definitely see, you know, when you start watching a series, and you, know, you might get to series two, and then, you know, it starts falling down, and you start thinking to yourself, "Hold on a minute, they're either running out of ideas, or they're trying to stretch the story too thin." Because, you know, each episode goes past, and it's not really progressing much. It's. I mean, the the writer of, of this, Richard Morgan, it's, every book he's come out with is is really good. He's also got a, uh, uh, um, like a fantasy. Oh. type one as well is there's a trilogy of fantasy books that he's come out with as well oh, okay. so I don't know whether they may be optioned at some point depending on how good these series go I hope so well I do like the pace of it you know so I'm only about four or five episodes in and it's a, it's a they're quick paced you know there's sort of like hasn't been a slow episode yet it's sort of like it, it's been moving through each episode and there's like action in every one and um yeah, yeah it's, it, it's been great so far I, I love it it's good, yeah. It's very good. I mean, the other ones are, are still remains the cold commands and the dark defiles, and <clears throat> there uh, uh, that would be really good because that would be total complete distance from the sci-fi side. Yeah, because and considering how you've now got the Witcher taking over, presumably from Game of Thrones to be this big yeah. fantasy, uh, I wouldn't be so, too surprised if there hasn't been talks for this. Uh, Have you seen the Witcher, a, by the way? I have, yeah. Oh, I haven't I've I've seen it. it. It's based on the video yeah. game, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the second. Yeah. And hopefully if they do make a third as well. Yeah. Uh, the the chap who wrote this also wrote a couple of um, um, games as well. Uh, Crisis. Oh, really? Crisis 2. Yeah, Crisis 2. He he wrote the script for for the game. And uh, I, when I, he was at um, Forbidden Planet once... And uh, and I asked him. I said, "Why didn't you write the book? You know, because there was a tie-in book to Crisis too." And he said, "I just haven't had the time. No. <laughs> I just can't." Which is kind of weird when you think he's a writer, but he hasn't actually wrote the book for the game that he wrote the script to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Interestingly but, enough, um, as well, we were talking about anime earlier, and mm-hmm. after uh, the second series came out in February this year, March this year, an anime film actually came out, which is set before the first series. Probably to tell oh, the stories of, of the whole, probably the stack. Is they don't really tell the story of where, because they're in alien design, but they don't really say, you know, where they come from and all the rest of it. Yeah, they said they was of um, what is it when you you reverse engineer backwards? Yeah, reverse engineer. Yeah. But something about the the, the uh, stuff that's used to make it can only be found on Harlan's world, yeah, which I think is it. where he actually originally came from. Yes. He was he was born yeah. and stuff. So. so I've not looked into the anime yet. It's something I definitely want to look into. But the fact that it's set before the first series. Season. I'm hoping it's going to tell the story of, you know, the the alien design of these stacks, and how they reversed engineer and all that kind of thing. 
Nick Lowry quite good. Interesting, that's kind of yeah, like the little shorts that came out for the Matrix. Yes, because you had some some of them that showed what actually happened, how we ended up being taken over by the yeah. by the robots and stuff. So, yeah. oh, right. oh, cool. Oh, I look out. Yeah, okay. It's time to lift those cushions and see what's been lost for a few years in Retro Raiders. Okay, I have <laughs> a lovely movie. I have a suspicion here that this one might be yeah. a bit of a turkey. Because <laughs> when, when you told me what it was, I had to sit back and think, I've never what, what 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 film? I've never heard of it. <laughs> and I you know, I love my retro films. I'm all about the eighties and nineties and when you said about this one I thought, no, nah, this this is where's this going? Because I've not I've not heard of it. <laughs> this is the lovely battle beyond the stars. Yeah, come on. It who was, out there's heard, who out there's heard of that? <laughs> it was released in nineteen eighty one. Um hundred and four minutes of complete rip-off of Star Wars and The Magnificent Seven, basically. Yeah. Uh, it was directed by uh, Jimmy T. Uh, Murakami and uncredited and an uncredited Roger Corman. So it's a Roger Corman production who's made some of the best slash worst B-movies ever. Nice. Um, this particular one had one of his highest budgets of £2 million. It was that so good that he didn't. Highest, yeah, it was that good he didn't want his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> and most of oh no, his name's all on it. Oh, it's just the fact that he obviously he was very, <clears throat> very into the the making of bits and pieces, and I'll, I'll come to them bits later. Um, uh, how he kept coming on the sets and stuff. Um, <clears throat> it's got a good score, music score by James James Horner. It's oh, yeah. got a nice. when you watch it, you may recognise the 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 kind of theme tune to the movie. Yeah. Uh, the music in the film is nothing to, you know, write home about, but definitely the main theme you might recognise. Oh, hang on, I do recognise that. Where's that from? Um, and basically the story is that it's a young farmer uh, sets out to recruit mercenaries to defend his peaceful planet, which is under threat of invasion by the evil tyrant Sador. Ooh. Ooh. Was that Darth Sador? <laughs> and his armada of aggressors. Oh. Um, and in his ship, he has what's called a stellar converter. Oh, does he? Which blows up planets. Oh, does it? Is this ringing a bell? Mm. <laughs> is this ringing yeah. a bell? <laughs> and yes, it is. It's, it's a blatant remake of Magnificent Seven, which, if you think about it, was a blatant remake of The Seven Samurai. Yeah. Uh, although the Magnificent Seven was a lot better. <clears throat> than this uh, but there's certain bits in where you watch it it starts off with as if you're doing the uh, hyperspace sort of bit Star Wars you're sort of the, the, the streaking stars coming towards you which is it's not bad there are certain bits in this that you think oh that, that, that wasn't too bad but um, the ship the main sort of Sador ship is a sort of cross between uh Spaceball One uh. <laughs> and and the blockade runner from Star Wars. Um and every time you see it there's this sort of droning deep music or sort of just uh, notes of to build the suspension. And <laughs> so every time like when you sort of saw a Vija in, in Star Trek the motion picture there was always that type yeah. of music that went with it yeah. or, or or the uh, the spaceships from Independence Day that sort of yes. thing yeah. <laughs> like, oh we we need to fear this and um there's there's one shot it's quite early on in the movie where the the spaceship comes over the mountains on this planet that is the worst shot I've ever seen in my life and <laughs> it's the worst shot of the film where clearly you can see where green screen blue screen or Sunscreen was used <laughs> to, to blot it out. Um, yeah, but they're saying that though, you can. There's films or a particular film I can think of that the special effects aren't all that great, but it's still a great film. And that's Flash Gordon. The effects, in fact, yes. you watch Flash Gordon, you think, "What the hell is this?" But it's actually a pretty good film. The special effects are, are, are rubbish. So 
yeah, you can still have a film that's got pretty bad special effects, but still be a pretty good film. But from what you're saying about this one, I don't think it's good in either in either direction. Well, you've got right. So if we if we go on to the cast, the, the sort of the 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 young farm boy, uh, Luke. No, sorry, uh, Shad. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, his name's Shad. He's played by Richard Thomas, who is best known as John Boy from the Waltons. Oh. Uh, oh no! Come on. <laughs> and he's, he's he's not bad. The acting is kind of not bad. It, it's sort of middle of the road because you've also got, I mean Sador is 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 played by John Saxon, yeah, uh, who's best known as as like being Nancy's policeman dad from Nightmare on Elm Street, Mister Roper from Enter the Dragon. So yes. he's done some some big stuff. He's very you know he's got some sort of scar, come sort of birthmark <clears throat> down his face. So he's supposed to look mean. And um, you've got uh, <laughs> George Peppard. No. As blatantly a Han Solo ripoff called Space Cowboy. Oh. And <laughs> he's obviously best known as John Hannibal Smith from the A Team. Uh, you've got Gelt as that's Robert Vaughan, who was in the original Magnificent yeah, Seven. Yeah. But also known, like obviously from Superman Three, he was in Bullet, Towering Inferno, and obviously the Man from Uncle. Yeah. So he's been in some really good stuff. Why he chose this, I don't know. Probably the money, because mm. I think it was between him and George Peppard where most of that two million budget was yeah. spent to get those two on board. And um, obviously they recruit certain people. One of them is uh, a, a, like a a group of pure white aliens about five of them but they're called Nesta Nesta 1 and obviously they they all um uh, join together so a little bit like um the borgs oh so they all think as one but, kind of thing but, yeah but good borgs right but the main spokesman for them i kind of recognized but it wasn't until i found out who he was did i go oh really his name is Earl Bowen. Right. Does that name ring a bell? Earl Bowen. Don't, yeah. He's the psychologist from The Terminator. He's the one that interviews Sarah oh. in the first one, and obviously Michael Bean in the second one, yeah. Reese in the second uh, in the first yeah. one, sorry. And obviously he's her keeper that she um say attacks but takes hostage in Terminator Two. Oh, that, that's his real name, isn't it? Because he's in the in the in the film, isn't he? Knows Doctor Silverman. Oh, he's Doctor Doctor Silverman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's his real name. Yeah, Earl, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, El Bowen yeah. is, is his real name. Right, and um, yeah, and it was like, oh my god, that's <laughs> and you have it. So you've basically got um, you've got um, Space Cowboy, you've got Gelt, you've got Nesta One, and all these people start coming together to form this group that's obviously got the, the, this farm boy is bringing together to attack Sador. Uh, and then you've got um, the lovely Sybil Danning, uh, a X Men. Uh, she was like a very big nineteen seventies eighties pin up. Right. Um, Googler, you'll re- you see exactly the two reasons she was uh, brought on board. Okay, but yeah, say <laughs> <Turn> no <them> more. <laughs> and um, yeah, at one point, I mean, she's she's uh, the way she's in her ship, she's sort of laying down, and. Uh, they're quite prominent and the fact that when it was put on TV they actually put like some extra mm. controls to cover up her ample oh really yes uh, <laughs> which amused me because it was like so you're trying to make it appeal to a younger audience yeah. but you've got to try and cover these up yeah. because they're and it's like well don't you want to appeal to all the audience <laughs> well, I don't by the sounds, so, but I don't think it had an audience <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's very, uh, as I say, it's very dated with the clothes to a certain extent. It's very seventies, eighties, very Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, you know the TV series, um, you know Space nineteen ninety nine. When you watch Star Wars, you don't really look. It's the costumes and the the clothing is so well done that you don't really notice it. No, it blends in with the rest of the universe. Yeah, it's sort of everything seems right. Whereas with here, you're looking at stuff and it's very like 1960s Star Trek. Very, it, it, it's of its time mm. in reality that doesn't really bode well now. Yeah. And um, 
as the story unfolds, obviously what happens in the Magnificent Seven kind of happens in this film as well. The people that he brings on board are taken out. It's quite a sort of sad, dark story, but meant to be like Star Wars. It'll be as if at the end of Star Wars, Luke Luke lands, but Han and Chewie were killed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Leia's in a coma <laughs> and, and um, sort of R2-D2 is just a puddle of oil on the floor <laughs> this is the ending of this film um, but it's worth a look please have a look and just, just check it out Just even if you only do it once um, and the reason why is because literally at the end as well when there's a bit where Sador thinks he's won and he laughs and laughs and then everybody else laughs and it's just like Doctor Evil mm. when he laughs and everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's, and I'm just like they're being serious as well. The reason why some of the special effects are so good is really the person that was behind some of them, okay. and that person was James Cameron. Oh, really? Yes. No. <laughs> Believe it or not, he was on this. He worked as a model maker, and then he got promoted because the art director was fired. He got promoted to art director, and he's also on the credits as a director of photography. And I know James gets his fingers wet in a lot of things. Yeah, yeah definitely. And the fact I think that he used to he used to sleep on set just to try and get things done, and you could see his creativity and his love and his passion for doing this sort of thing right there. He was fired a couple of times and brought back on board. So what I was saying earlier on was the fact that George uh, Roger Corman was um, George Roger Corman was um, uncredited as his director, but he kept coming in and just. There, there's a quote from uh, James saying the fact that he used to, if people were on set and they were building a set, he would come along, get annoyed that he didn't like the set, and fire three or four people. Oh, but if he came along and nobody was on the set. He would love the set. Oh. He would go, oh, I really like that, and I really like that, and then walk off and be gone. And he got to the point where he would have James would have somebody outside as a lookout, and when they'd see him, everybody would scarper. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd look at it and go, "This is going really well," and then off he'd go. Right. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. So again, there are some bits that are, are that you look at it and go, well, "That looks too good to be in this film," because he's he's done it. And you know what he's like. Uh, Bill Paxton was also a carpenter on the film. No. Yeah, he was brought because he was friends with James Cameron at the time, so he was brought on. I mean, he's never on the film, but obviously he's, he's building sets and stuff, so that's how they got. Also, a certain production manager was Gal Ann Hurd, because what was going to be the future wife of James Cameron, who were then going to work together and create Terminator, huh. which would then have Bill Paxton. Yeah. In. yeah. <laughs> so. This film, as bad as it is, and as much as a rip-off of it is as two films, underneath it... Good things came out a, of it, basically. Yeah, yeah. There is a, there's a, a, there's a, a, a team that, that created something, that, that used it as a stepping stone onto bigger and better things. They probably used it as a, as a learning experience more than anything. Uh, yeah, but also you could see, with the way James was, how he was going to start doing it, because many people think he's a bit of a tyrant when he's on the film set, mm. you know, he's... You know, the, 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 on the abyss, there was T-shirts made uh, saying "Son of Abyss." Oh, really? Because he, he he was, you know, when he was making Aliens, he was like, well, what, "What do you mean you're stopping at four o'clock for tea?" You know, come on. Right. And yeah, he, but he's one of these people that he would waft all the, the, you know, the smoke on the set and get it exactly how he is. Very much he, he needs to kind of thing, not yeah. control, but he he has a vision that he needs to see. Mm. And you could see that from here because some some of the models and the shots and stuff you think wow that's that's pretty good even now, and um, as I say this is a this is a turkey, uh. in, uh, but <laughs> a turkey that would have tastes rather good in certain parts. Right. <laughs> the breast of the turkey is very succulent and very nice. <laughs> it's the other bits that are a little bit ropey <laughs> and still got the feathers attached <laughs> that you don't want to see. <laughs> And, um, a bit like the sofa review, we're going to, the cushion review, we're going to yes, give it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, when I first saw this, it would have been on a, a summer's holiday. I would have rented the VHS 
uh, as I say, came out in 1980. So I mean, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been at that time. It would have been a lot later that this was available. I I just think I'm I, out of five cushions, it would have been three. What about now? At the at the time, yeah. Now, definitely one and a half. Ooh. Because I mean, to be honest with you, the only thing that saves it are certain special effects shots. Right. <laughs> because, you know, the 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 acting, the sets, the the dialogue, it is all very very, you know. Of, of its time and I, I, certain people you could see I mean George Peppard and and, um, and Robert Vaughan were just coasting through this yeah. they didn't really have to do a lot it was all about the money for them probably it, it, yeah. yeah they were getting paid well for this and other people wasn't I mean I, I, I did read that um, James Cameron I think he was getting $200 a week right. when he got when he got promoted to art director they offered him 300 right and he's he basically said, "Well, hang on a minute. The other guy that you've just got rid of was getting seven hundred and fifty. I'll do it for seven hundred and fifty. <laughs> and he got it because they were so desperate <laughs> because they didn't have anybody. But also, you're thinking, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> Why should I get a lot less than the guy you've just let go? Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. You're doing the same job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, it would. Um, most of the the uh, the budget went on them and." Uh, yeah, you can see oh. that they scraped they scraped together as much as they could. I think the sets for the ship was <laughs> that's a good point actually. The the ship. If you see steels and images, if you're not going to watch the film, try and see the ship because the ship looks like parts of Sybil Danning. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, Basically, okay. yeah. You just think, uh, what was you? Oh, well, I can I can see what you were thinking of when you designed it. Uh, and yeah, so uh, yeah, no. definitely one and, one and a half. Yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah, I, I will watch it. I, I haven't seen it, so just going on the conversation we've had and what you've said about it, um, I'm going to have to give it the same. Um, I think it's too be. It's not quite good enough to give it a full two. Yeah. <laughs> so based on the one and a half you've given it and then I'll give it a one and a half as well it's kind of sitting somewhere between the uh, the tatty cushion which is near the bottom and the bottom cushion which is the uh, sticky the sticky, <laughs> sticky cushion. sweet sweet covered fluff covered cushion oh! yeah we've oh, we've hit the low end on, on this one unfortunately but hey we, they can't all be five they can't all be five I uh, really hope you guys enjoyed the show and it's uh, goodbye from me until the next episode thanks for listening we both hope you enjoyed it if you did a positive review on itunes would be appreciated as well as subscribing so you never miss a new episode you can also contact us via our email address which is dtbots77 at gmail.com and our twitter account which is at dtbots d-t-b-o-t-s down the back of the sofas we can also be found on Podbean, which hosts our website as well as our Facebook page, is now up and running, so we'll be adding more content as we go, including info for up-and-coming shows and specials, so please take a look. A thank you goes out to my sister-in-law, Summer, for creating our lovely artwork for the show, and last but by no means least, a big thank you to my daughter, Maisie, and now also my nephew, Harrison, for providing the numerous movie quotes in our theme tune. Rick Tuck.